What a stupid thing to say Oh, what a stupid thing to say Oh, what a stupid thing to say Oh, what a stupid thing to say So I walked over the hedge about 13 hours ago. Nice. Was that the, the third? Yeah, it was yeah. the third one. I watched uh, Cars over like two days because I like fell asleep. Not because of Cars. I yeah, because of My take, my realized that like... I actually liked Cars on this watch like more than I expected to. Me too. Okay. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Um, hi everyone. Uh, it's Nate here. You know, uh, me, the, the podcast. And uh, today is a special episode in which uh, we have a guest. I'm here with uh, Ed Horan. Uh, if, if you don't know Ed, uh, quite the resume on this guy. Um, you know, early roles like uh, the romantic lead in 10 Things I Hate About You and, of course, playing the son in Mel Gibson's The Patriot. Uh, he later was one of the two gay cowboys. And, uh, you know, you probably know him best for his Oscar-winning role uh, as, uh, as the Joker in The Dark Knight. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ed Horan. Ed, how are you? I am excellent. I, you went through and I realized I haven't seen a single one of those movies. You haven't seen The Dark Knight? Other than The Dark Knight. Okay. I have seen The Dark Knight. Ten Things I Hate About You... Have you seen Clueless? I have seen Clueless. Excellent, almost Clueless movie. Yeah. Great, uh, young, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt performance. I don't know if you know who the actor David Krumholtz is. But I do. Yeah, so people often say, uh, that I am like his 10 Things I Hate About You character, which is only lightly anti-Semitic. Basically, the question that is, of course, relevant to all of our minds is, uh, what was the best animated movie of 2006? What was it? Yeah. And so if you go to, uh, you know, the the, Bena, the uh, deciders of such things, if you go to um, said Oscars uh, in March 2007, hosted by Jon Stewart, uh, you know, rest in power. If you look at that Oscar category for Best Animated Feature, you've got Happy Feet, directed by George Miller for Warner Brothers. That was the winner. Then you've got uh, Monster House, uh, Dan Harmon joint. Uh, and then, of course, you have the Pixar standard bearer, Cars, uh, regrettably, directed by John Lasseter. Happy Feet and Cars have in common with many other animated features of 2006 that got shafted for the uh, Academy, uh, Flushed Away, so. Barnyard, and one we'll be focusing on today, DreamWorks' Over the Hedge. Uh, they have in common that they are all about uh, anthropomorphization, classic film animation technique in which uh, something that is not human acts like a human. Like, for example, a cowboy doll who acts like a cowboy. I'm referring, of course, to uh, Annabelle. Monster House we'll be talking about less today uh, because uh, it's not really anthropomorphization because the house has the spirit yeah. of a human. The house is a person. Yeah. It's not like a house pretending to be a person. Steve Buscemi is like the old guy, and then the house is his wife. Yeah. We're really spoiling Monster House. I think really. so, yeah. yeah. Y'all should watch Monster House, yeah, to Monster, be clear. It's, like, quite good. It's very good, and it's, it, there's, a, I mean, one of the best, one of the best portly sidekicks I've ever seen. I, um, I would agree. Yeah. Um, so, uh, basically, uh, after much too much preamble, Ed and I are going to try to get down to the question of, uh, what was the best, uh, movie of 2006, uh, animation-wise, and how did anthropomorphization get it there? So, uh, my first question to you, Ed, is, um... Why is it that Happy Feet is a Lovecraftian nightmare? Well, I think the thing that fascinates me the most about Happy Feet... For the, for the record, I've seen this movie over a hundred times, easily. I know this movie backwards and forwards. I love it dearly. But I think for me, the thing that elevates Happy Feet above its tap-dancing penguiny hook is how quickly it loses interest in that hook and how quickly its tap-dancing penguin protagonist decides that he wants to meet God. God is defined by, like, the aliens, who are described to him in a very early scene when he's still, like, an adorable baby penguin by a... A skua. A skua. Yeah, that's what they're called. <laughs> a flying boy, as he refers to himself. Right. The unnamed boss skua, who is on villains.wikia.com as merely boss skua, who is never named. Go on. Yeah, he is the boss of the skuas. He refers to himself as an abductee. He's got this amazing accent. Kind of a great performance, I can't lie. But he introduces the idea of these 
beings, which we immediately recognize as ourselves, but Mumble immediately recognizes as some kind of Cthulhu-esque alien deity that is taking his fish. Right. And when pretty early in the movie, pretty much all elements of the initial plotline are wrapped up, and he's like removed from his penguin tribe, you know, and the love story is kind of over, you're sort of at the moment that should go directly to penguin redemption. <laughs> but instead, he goes on this quest yes. to find God, and it's massive and incredibly bleak, and Steve Irwin is there. Yes. And... And then he died. And then he dies. I think not. But it turns into, it starts out as this Cthulhu-esque thing where he's like running into different signs of the beast and people like the Robin Williams-voiced Lovelace who claims to have communicated. One of how many Robins in the movie? One of like three to five yeah. Robin Williams is in this movie. Um, all of whom are kind of uncomfortable sounding now in various <laughs> ways. But yeah. That's true. They, they each have a different... <laughs> Yeah. problem going It's a different thing every time, but that's where it starts. It starts with, like, Lovelace refers to them as mystic beings, the skewer refers to them as aliens, there's never any doubt in our minds that they're us, but Mumble just has to know what they are, and then he meets them, and in this horrifying reverse arrival twist, he completely can't talk to them, because right. he speaks like a penguin. Mm -hmm. And then... They do give it's the, you... It's the classic, like, Looney Tunes bit of, like, the talking dog, and then you zoom out, and they're just barking, but played for drama instead played, of comedy. Exactly. <laughs> played completely straight. Yeah. It's kind of gutting, yeah. but then there's, like, kind of a beautiful, also arrivalish happy ending, where through the power of tap dancing, a hook you've almost completely forgotten about at right. this point in the movie... He manages to create a dialogue between human and penguin. So it's not exactly, you know, in a true... For it to be real Lovecraftian horror, the like last ten minutes just would have to not happen. That's true. Because, yeah, it's not exactly <laughs> Lovecraftian when uh, all the penguins in unison are singing, Looking back on when I was a little nappy-headed boy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but until that point, until it goes back to resolve its initial super, like, dreamworksy hook. It just has this incredibly weird and sort of beautiful cosmic moment. That's, right. that's sort of why I think what I think sets it apart. Something that's interesting is between, in, say, Over the Hedge... Right. The, like, culture of the foragers mm -hmm. is sort of distinct, but not super distinct from humans. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Like... They're just, they're sort of like a uh, subset. Uh, they're like, they're like one way humans can act economically. Exactly. They're like, and they all fit into very recognizable human patterns. In cars, the cars are basically just acting as people act. Even in, in Flushed Away, this is super specific because they have, like, small rat London going on. But in Happy Feet, the penguins have a very distinct culture. Right. Well, like... They are... I mean, they are Mormons. To a certain extent, yes. <laughs> but the actual, like, the anthropological weight of the first few minutes of the movie, where you, like, meet penguin religion... Right. And you learn about this weird concept of a heart song where you sing a pop hit. Right. Penguin theocracy is based out of the specific uh, anthropological necessities of penguin life. Exactly. As opposed to Over the Hedge where, like, yes, squirrels are foragers, but that's just sort of, like, grafted onto whoever it needs to be grafted onto. Exactly. And, like, you know, the small children are hyper and play video games and right. stuff like that. There are no small penguin children that are out here doing anything but focus on their heart song. Right. It's really weird. It's a very distinct world that we're plunged into, and it's immediately and constantly presented as in direct conflict with our world, even though we don't see ourselves until right at the end. Right. Until that 
specific shot that we were talking about where the humans are looking at Mumble in the in the enclosure. Yeah. And uh, I was saying to you, like, my what I found, like, most affecting is there's, like, a woman who, like, seems to be making eye contact with Mumble, and then she sort of, like, pushes her hair behind her ear, and you realize she's using uh, the enclosure as a mirror, as we all do. As we all do. She was just looking at, at humans. And uh, we, too, are uh, looking at humans. And so that's the I find that, like, so... Think about flushed away being that humans are in another classic sort of harking back to old cartoons twist. I don't think you ever see a human's head in no, flushed yeah. away. You see like human bodies. A in there. couple of bodies, but they're largely absent. There are yeah. fewer humans in flushed away than any of these movies, right. except maybe cars. Right. So at Happy Feet, uh, you've got anthropomorphized penguins uh, set against villain, maybe eventually redeemed humans. Over the hedge, uh, you've got. Uh, very sort of just like quippy human acting animals set against definitive villain Alice and Janney. Yes. Uh, and then Cars is just this completely. Uh, there are. Yeah. It's, it's it's just uh, <laughs> they might as well be people. They're just drawn as cars, and there are puns. Yeah. And so if you look at those three, Happy Feet Over the Hedge and Cars, it shows how like anthropomorphization is clearly like it's. It, it, of course, makes sense. I don't know if it would make sense if we hadn't been, you know, born uh, as we were at the turn of the 21st century and it's used true. to animated movies. Um, yeah. But, like, it just seems, you know, that is natural, that when you have the ability to uh, make filmic entertainment uh, without being bound to uh, cameras, uh, you might as well make characters who aren't humans act like humans. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just interesting how that can arrive at such different... Uh, you know, uh, endpoints. I think it's, uh, we were, I, I don't want to get your phrasing right. You said something about cars and how it's like, it thinks it has a Pixar plot. Yeah. It <laughs> thinks it has, it thinks it has a Pixar concept. Right. Like in a movie like Ratatouille, you're building this like affecting emotional, visually dynamic Pixar-y story out of the hook of rat wants to be chef, but he's rat. In Cars, they're acting like they have a Ratatouille hook, or a Finding Nemo hook, or a Toy Story hook, even. But all they have is Cars talk. Mm -hmm. It's... Like, it still holds a lot of that Pixar-ness. Like, it's beautifully made. We'll I want to talk a little bit more about that later. And, like, there are genuinely emotionally affecting moments, as there are in, are in all Pixar films... But, except the good dinosaur. Except the good dinosaur, yes. But there, it's all built on this like foundation of nothing. Right. It's just. I mean, I don't know if I. Th this is you know I'm showing my cards. I just know this from IMDb. I haven't seen it. But Cars is like almost an. Un it's sort of the um, fistful of dollars to uh, the Yojimbo that is uh, you know the unofficial remake. Of the 1991 Michael J. Fox movie Doc Hollywood, Doc Hollywood, yes. Which is, have you I seen have, it? I've heard that, but I haven't Me seen too. the film. So, like, I allowed myself to read the plot summary because uh, I, I usually don't, but you know, I Michael, I know Michael, I know what he does, yeah. and it's just you know this like hot shot L.A. guy ends up in a hick town, has to like do odd jobs because he was lightly arrested, and then learns to love hicks, uh, yeah. and like cars, like it just goes to show. It's like why, like cars. This is the thing I noticed most when I, we we just said like agreed that we both liked Cars like more than we were expecting to yeah, on this rewatch significantly more. Um, because first of all, I mean it's it just you know it's just a hangout movie. It just makes you smile. Like yeah, and, and like the Lightning McQueen is like not like a very interesting character, but that's kind of fine because like the arc of asshole learns to like people like is done very effectively. Yeah, it's a it, very well made. It just doesn't matter that they're cars. Yeah, uh, there's no reason for them <laughs> to be cars. The most it manifests is um, just, you know, like like the puns. Yeah. Uh, like ladies and gentle cars. Like, that's and like most of the jokes. <laughs> none of the puns are good. No, yeah. Like, there are, even the visuals of, like, the racing... Maybe this is because Cars came out between The Incredibles and Ratatouille, mm -hmm. which are, like... Brad. Brad Bird masterpieces... But it really struck me how boring the races are mm -hmm. this time around. Like, they really... There's so much 
I went in expecting to be kind of edge of my seat every time he gets on the track or every time he's like zooming around, but it's just not that interesting to look at. Like they don't even get much visual acuity out of the cars thing. Yeah. Another thing that really struck, like I found like kind of humorous uh, in a sort of like darker vein was like, so very almost like goes without saying that in all of these movies, uh, to varying extents, you can see, um, uh, you know, the, the anthropomorphized characters, uh, the, you know, they're all, they're always allegories to like real human social problems, often race. Um, yeah. so like, you know, obviously over the hedge is actually about gentrification, um, and, like, Happy Feet, there's, you know, even though Happy Feet, like, they really need to be penguins, which is to yeah. Happy Feet's credit, um, it is still, you know, like, this uber-religious community and, like, the problems of being in an uber-religious community, and, um... Oh, I thought you were gonna go, like, overfishing. Oh, well, that too. Yeah. Um, so my point is, uh, Cars, like, does that a little with, I don't, I, this is, like, because I've seen Cars, like, dozens of times, mm -hmm. but, like, I guess it had been years, because I didn't think... That the lines that are like, like when Lightning is like, I just hate rusty cars. Oh no, Mater, not you. You're you're one of the good rusty oh, cars. Oh yeah. And it's like, are is rust equivalent to being like African American? Like, is that? Oh. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> they kind of build on that idea yeah. in Cars too. Right. Which I think is better. Sure. Right. Where the like lemons are like the shitty cars are looked down on instead of the rusty cars. They kind of throw out the aesthetic angle. Mm. But it is nodded at in really strange ways. Yeah. And just like, you know, it just immediately is like, any rusty car can get washed. Like, just, yeah. just, just, <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah. It's also hilarious to me that He's, like, pitching a de-rusting product mm -hmm. that, based on everyone in the tent at the de-rusting product, has completely work. failed. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, is it's, like, um, he, like, you know, he, uh, his sponsors are the two Rusties guys, played by the Car Talk guys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's in the tent, and it's, like, the people he come like, it's weird, like, really inconsistent characterization that, like, Lightning McQueen, like, Emer you know, from the start, is like this asshole, like, jock, like, kind of rich boy. But, like, he's a rookie. He's been working with the Rusties guys. How are... If they didn't, like, convoit him into, like, being okay with poor people, why would the Radiator Springs people? <laughs> yeah. It is... Strange. There's... Yeah. I guess he had the option to leave <laughs> on them, so he never had to spend... Okay. That many days. Right, he never but... played Parcheesi with them. Exactly. Like broke bread, broke oil. Bro oh, another thing. Sorry, you go. No, you, I think we were about to say the same thing. I want you to say it. I'm not sure. We, okay, so in Radiator Springs, one of the, like, well, first of all, there's the question of, like, how are they even all still there if they haven't had a single customer in 20 years? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is that. What is car money? What is car money? That's, you never see anyone paying for it. Ostensibly, Lightning does a huge uh, economic boon by buying a product from every store with, like, you know, a half hour left. Yeah. Like, yeah, what is what is car money? Is what is car money? In Over the Hedge, we see an, act an active absence of monetary system because there are only, like, seven or eight people and they're all in the same. Like, they right. all get food for each other. In Happy Feet, the emperor penguins live without money and the smaller penguins have a complex pebble-based monetary system. What's going on in Cars? Yeah. God, I'm trying to remember what the currency system was in the 2006 Cars video game that I had for GameCube. Mm. It might have just been dollars, but I don't Car know if that's Starbucks. yeah. Yeah, I don't... And then, of course, Flushed Away, that's, you know, an interesting other... Because, you know, as opposed... Because you could make the claim that even though they're, like, uh... Um... Even though, you know, you see them flushing at the beginning, that Flushed Away is just a human story with rats... But actually, there's a shit ton of material with, like, and the boat is made of spoons. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think the difference is that the flushed away jokes they get from being rats work. Yeah. The, like, visuals all hold together in really nice ways. You get the slugs, who mm -hmm. only work because they look like that. Yeah. You get the frogs, who only work because they look like that. I think 
yeah, in both cases, it's kind of an anthropomorphic sheen on a human story. Yeah. But Flushed Away makes it worth your while. Yeah. In a way that Cars just doesn't see the need to. Yeah. I think maybe that's something that, like, in terms of what makes Happy Feet, like, an impactful work, is that, um, obviously the penguins do, you know, speak English, act like humans, but, um, they have to be penguins being fucked up by humans to, like, make the point the movie wants to make. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, the slugs are, it's funny, this is, like, not an important point, but, um, I was thinking about, when I was watching Over the Hedge, um, we discussed beforehand, like, obviously, like, Over the Hedge's killer app is Hammy. Um, yeah. And I was watching, and now that you mentioned the slugs, Hammy and the slugs are, like, a dying breed. Like, uh, in, yeah. like, they're, like, that sort of, like, absolutely, like, like, because when we were seven, like, everyone could quote Hammy and the slugs ad nauseum. Totally. We're not children anymore. But I feel like <laughs> that, like, uh, spot, like, you know what was, the, you know what the thing is? Okay. Do you remember this phenomenon? There'd be the initial trailer. I remember yeah. distinctly the teaser trailer for Flushed Away. It started with this, uh, like, 77% of household accidents happen in one room, and then it got to a bathroom. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so there's that. I'm sure there's an equivalent one for uh, Over the Hedge. And then by the time that, like, the movie was, like, number one in theaters and had been there for two weeks, if you watch commercials on TV, it was just Hammy's Best Lines and the Slug songs. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I wonder why, why, like, that is, I guess it's, like, very, I don't know, maybe it's a, it's a pre-Trump phenomenon. Maybe. <laughs> I guess there's kind of limited staying power to that, just from a parental. Actually, this is, this is a little half-baked, I'm thinking about it now, maybe Cars 2 is to blame. Okay. Because Mater is another one of these guys. Right, and then they gave him the... And then they gave him a full feature... And everyone hated it, which mm -hmm. I think is a little unfair. I think it's pretty good, but and it tanked. Yeah, yeah, yeah it totally tanked. They Maybe learned that their they learned that over reliance on like the sidekick was a dangerous game to play. Yeah, which is why I am so skeptical of the Patrick Star show. Yes, um, incredibly so. And then I think maybe another angle is like the rise of Phil Lord and Chris Miller, right? Who kind of actively avoid that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they sort of, they're very into uh, strong ensembles. Strong ensembles, yeah. yeah. Like, that's what Batman could have been, but yeah. totally wasn't. Yeah. The elephant in the room is uh, the minions. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh... You make a point. They're, like, scarcely characters, which I think yeah. is... That's, like, sort of very... That's, like, a very 2010s thing, is that, like, they're just sort of, like, a marketing gimmick that manages to carry the movie because, like, John Hamm is there. Like... Yeah. <laughs> That is maybe maybe the minions just choked all the air out of the sidekick atmosphere. Yeah, because they're well. That's you know, it's like the same thing as how like um, yeah, the minions are like another. They're like the tentpole. Like they're because they're just fewer movies. There are fewer blockbusters happening. Like how there are just like fewer uh, action blockbusters because Marvel sucks up all the air. Yeah, maybe the minions did that to this. The quadrant. minions did that to this. <laughs> yeah. There are exceptions. I guess Scrap comes to mind. Yes, but Scrap predates everything. We're Scrap predates about. everything we're talking about. In yeah. This. Are maybe my favorite of this trope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, I mean, Scrat, Scrat's stuff, I mean, Scrat's great silent comedy, uh, which is, you know, like, you know, kind of like another thing of, like, the height of uh, what animation can do. Yeah. Um, which, like, is less happening, which I guess the minions sort of reach for, but they're, like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's something, yeah. The minions don't, it's, again, it's the question of that hook, I think. Mm-hmm. It's the something so elemental and like wily coyote-ish about Scrat. Yeah. That the minions never just can never tap into. Right. Like I can I can't like remember like when I think about when I like struggle to remember a minions bit, it's like them singing Barbara Ann as opposed yeah. to like um, anything physical. Which I do wanna say, great bit, Despicable Me Two trailer. The only piece of minions content that I think holds up that yeah, Barbara Ann I mean, covers. That's, that's great. That's great. Well, Barbara Ann has always been one of the funniest songs in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of, while we're on the subject of funniest. Oh, yeah. The moment where Lightning walks in on a car that's kind of sleeping. He wakes it up and it's revealed that the car's eyes are its headlights. And he completely freaks out because it's like an older school kind of animated car that everyone 
was weirded out that the cars in cars weren't like that. Right. And that they have tongues. Yeah. The tongue the tongues are their own thing. But I think making the eyes the windshield instead of the headlights definitely weirded people out at the beginning because cars already have faces. Right. And they made new faces, but seeing that old timey car face in cars too is Right. Beautifully funny. Which is beautifully funny. Great joke about anthropomorphization. And so I wish that, as I did four days ago, I could still agree with you that it's the best joke in the trilogy. But after our rewatch of Cars 1, there's just does not make me laugh as hard as he won three piston cups, he did what in his cup. Like, that is, <laughs> that is the height of Larry the Cable Guy's career. That is a great joke. There was actually, I also found a joke in the first Cars movie that made me laugh harder. What was that? In the headlight moment, and that was... It took me three... I had to watch the clip four times to make sure it was actually happening. But when he's about to give the speech mm. at Rusty's right at the beginning, it's like, Lightning McQueen! There's a spotlight on him, and there's silence. Mm. And just inaudible, almost inaudibly, someone goes, Free bird! Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Another reason I lean so strongly towards Happy Feet out mm. of these is that watching them close together sort of brought into sharp relief for me how identical Cars and Over the Hedge are structurally. Sure. Like, oh, well, yeah, they're both uh, asshole turns nice. So they're both, well, they're so both... So flushed away. Yeah, all three <laughs> of them are asshole turns nice because of this community of sort of weirdos of a lower social class that he's thrust into. But yeah. even more specific things with Over the Hedge, like the anti-consumerist suburban message of Over the Hedge sort of tracks to the anti-highway thing in yeah. Cars and... The ticking clock of a week mm-hmm. in both. Right. With, I guess, Vincent replacing Chick Hicks <laughs> in that scenario. Like, in a lot of ways, Over the Hedge just feels like a better Cars. Sure. Whereas Happy Feet could have been that. Is its own thing. Right? Yeah. You could totally make a movie where the tap dancing penguin is ostracized yeah. earlier, runs into the little penguins earlier, maybe convinces mm-hmm. them that tap dancing is the actual way emperor penguins communicate. Right has to, like, win his way back into the tribe, has, like, a week to learn how to sing. No, but instead it's about finding God. But instead it's about finding God and we are God. Yeah. That's such... Mm -hmm. It's such a swing for the fences. Yeah. How much children's animation is willing to be that weird? Yeah. The really good ones uh, use non-humans acting like humans in a way that tells a story or gives a message that uh, you can't do without using that device. So, like, Happy Feet, I think we've already, like, said pretty clearly, like, it has to be that Penguin's facing the god of humans. That is a story that yeah. needs to be told. <laughs> needs to be told. Um, and then, like, Ratatouille. Like, very specifically, like, a rat being a chef, uh, and then, like, nav- I mean, uh, navigating uh, that world... Like, it matters that he's a rat. He can't just yeah. be, like, a shitty dude. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> or Finding Nemo. Matters yeah. that they're fish at odds with the dentist. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Toy Story, like, a, the, the which, Toy Story, I mean, like, gets, like, special props for being, like, the first movie to ever do this. Uh, in 3D, that is. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, like, that's one where I actually, like, in terms of uh, the comedy to be wrought from uh, falling on the floor whenever a human is in sight, like... You know, that's just brilliant. Yeah. I do want to, actually, because you said, because you were talking about firsts, mm-hmm. I want to pull a little, I want to go a little bit further back okay. into the anthropomorphization canon and talk about, I think Toy Story owes an underappreciated debt to the Brave Little Toaster. Sure, yeah. Where, obviously, they're appliances, but they are alive Less bones are made of them hiding, but they do hide. Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of attempting to reckon with their own obsolescence. Mm-hmm. Even though it's more of a hero's journey-ish Toy Story 3-like quest to get back. Got it. And honestly, the worthless sequence, which <laughs> is my favorite song in any movie, probably, is pretty close to the compactor scene in Toy Story 3. I think... The entire trilogy draws on that vision of anthropomorphization, pretty anthropomorphization. Yeah. <laughs> pretty you got, it, you got it the first time. <laughs> but 
Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe... Maybe the takeaway here is that movies are gonna be about people. Mm-hmm. And if your movie's about not people, the relationship with people should be clearly defined and important. Right. And so maybe, you know, Cars is, like, so aggressively a 7 out of 10. And maybe what could make it better is if they reckon with where the fuck are the humans? Where How are these they? cars get manufactured? Sarge was in World War II, which implies there was a car holocaust. Like, yeah. these are questions I want the R-rated cars for. I want to get into it. Absolutely. Yeah. I do think that a more subtle way, like, Flushed Away does this amazingly without mm. a, with barely a human in sight by just establishing the concept of a pet rat. Right. And everyone knows what a pet rat is, and all the sewer rats kind of look down on the pet rats for, you know, being pets, Mm -hmm. and vice versa. So, there is a dynamic there that is specifically related to, like, it's a class allegory, but it's also specifically related to the relationship the rats have to humans. Yeah. And I think that situates us a little bit. Have you seen The Great Mouse Detective? Yeah, Vincent Price, holy shit, incredible. Vincent Price, holy shit, incredible. An interesting one in that it's just, like... I probably deserve a rewatch because I really enjoy that movie, and I'm conscious that it's just like a Sherlock Holmes story with mice. Yes. Like, <laughs> um, but you know, I guess if you're just like really, really good, uh, like the, like Great Mouse Detective, so that's interesting. You know, it's, it's like it's where Barry's mentioned that uh, you know this uh, very unique use of anthropomorphization isn't the end all be all. Like Great Mouse Detective, you could levy the same criticism you could levy as Cars, but it's more clever and a more interesting story. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. just a flat out better film. Yeah. Like, that's the difference. That's just how it works. But it's interesting, something like, since we're kind of in this area of Disney now, mm-hmm. something like Oliver and Company kind of takes a very recognizable Oliver Twist story and introduces human animal relationships by making some of the characters human and some not. Right. Like, how Oliver and the orphans, like, only the children in mm-hmm. the original story become animals everyone else just becomes New Yorkers mm-hmm. and the introduction of that relationship is specifically between like Fagin and his dogs and cat as opposed to his children right creates the totally different and kind of interesting dynamic that wouldn't exist in the source material like it brings something new whatever else is true about that movie which is also features Cheech Oh, yeah. Cheech. He's popping up all over the place. Yeah, all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) TikTok these days? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's worth, you know, uh, something I haven't been candid with our viewers about uh, so far, although uh, if you go on my letterbox, you can find this out, is um, for for all of uh, my being able to be with Ed in complimenting Happy Feet's scope, uh, I, I do not love it. And I think there's some, maybe this is sort of like a plebeian opinion, but like, the dreariness really gets me. <laughs> it's I, very <laughs> dreary. I think uh, that's completely valid. Yeah, but I guess like, it has to be in order to teach us that. But that's, you know what, maybe, make, maybe this is like, um, uh, something I've, you, you named this earlier, is that like, um, maybe like my like adult, like movie snob self could love Happy Feet more fully if the happy ending didn't happen. Because, like, I'm so... When the humans appear and start, like, you know, like, silently having their, like, boardroom negotiations in, like, the last five minutes of the movie, like, I, like, don't quite buy they come around and help the penguins. Because I, like, don't have faith in humanity to do that. That's reasonable. That's why I think it does... I think sort of the... That's the trick it pulls off for me, is making... It work as a children's movie. Yeah. Which is what it is. It's just a children's movie with horrifying, bleak, and dreary stretches. Sure. Which I think is an admirable thing to do. And also, just, I don't know, as a seven-year-old, it really spoke to me. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's fair. Maybe you just have to be in a certain headspace at yeah. a young age. Elijah Wood just picks characters who uh, you, you really... Uh, who, like, really need a hug, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, I do want to say, one of the best human thing, but on non-humans jokes in any of these movies, 
and it's also arguably the only one in Happy Feet. Sure. Is that because Mumble cannot graduate, he cannot molt. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, he cannot know. pass penguin school, he has to remain a baby penguin. His own, his own graduation ceremony. That yeah. is so funny. Mm-hmm. And I think it's made funnier by the fact that it's the only time anything like that really happens. Right, yeah. Like, it's just really stark. But that's, yeah. you know, that's like 20 minutes in. Uh, and then they like just sort of go downhill from there. But I guess that's just sort of like... Uh, I don't know. Maybe if I'd like known who George Miller was, <laughs> yeah. Um, what a, I mean, like uh, incomparable career. Incomparable. <laughs> but I don't know. I think that's the thing about Happy Feet. For the most part, it's not that funny. Yeah. There are other jokes in it that make me laugh. Mm-hmm. But well, I was saying to you, like, like I mean, I laugh like hell when Robin Williams sings "My Way" in Spanish. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> an incredible. That is a great comic sequence. Yeah. The only great comic sequence, other than maybe Hugh Jackman doing "Heartbreak Hotel" right at the top. Right. But like the time. wings, <laughs> but it's a very, it's very bleak. Yeah. It's mostly about like religious angst. Yeah, and I think the way it gets around that bleakness is incredibly dynamic action. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a it's a it's funny. It's we were talking about how um, uh, Cars thinks it has a Pixar plot but doesn't. Uh, Happy Feet, if anything, like, takes up that mantle of being, you know, like, uh, along with plot, just, like, a technical, like, craziness. Like, yeah. the, the tap-dancing penguins, they go off. Like, the tap-dancing <laughs> penguins look great, despite penguins not having legs. Exactly. Regarding Over the Head, could you talk about Vincent for a sec? You know? Yes. <laughs> I love Vincent. I... It is my belief that... Vincent might not be the best bear in, like, the children's canon, or even the film canon... But he is the most bear. He's the barest bear. He is the only, like, no other animated bear, one, talks and has a personality, because he's a very distinct, he's separate from every other character you, like, can imagine him, you can imagine what he's like when he's not on screen. (laughs) (laughs) But also, every time he's on screen, you're like, oh my god, it's a bear. Right. Every character... He is a big... Yeah. He's a bear. <laughs> he is big, he is strong, every character in the movie knows instantly that he could kill them if he wanted, including the camera. Mm-hmm. Vincent is amazing, and I do think Vincent is part of what propels that 25-minute action yeah. sequence through, but honestly, it's just st- beautifully written, orchestrated, stellarly. The plot, the plot and character development keep up as fast as the action does, and they do... The Days of Future Past thing, yeah, well before and significantly better yeah. than Days of Future Past. Yeah, it's the Zach Morris timeout. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I say my counter to Ed is that Winnie the Pooh is probably a better bear, but I think we can agree that Vincent might be the barest, and that's yeah. why they reused him in B movie. Um, Maybe Winnie the Pooh is well. Winnie the Pooh is a per- doesn't need to be a bear in the same way. It's kind of the same thing. Right. Winnie the Pooh is a Cars bear, whereas right. Vincent is a Happy Feet bear. Yes, Randy the Pooh is a bear. He happens to be a bear. Yeah. But he's really a poo. Um, yeah. Why, this made me think of, uh, while we're on the subject of over-the-hedge villains, um, let's talk about humans, over-the-hedge versus happy feet. In happy feet, uh, the human community uh, is overfishing, and this is bad for the penguins. In over-the-hedge, and the human community in Happy Feet is this sort of eldritch abomination that is only really given a face, a human yeah. face that we recognize to be human as opposed to, like, a god entity a couple of times. And notably, directly implicates the viewer. We are yeah. part of the human Right, Happy yes, Feet. yes, we are. Whereas Over the Hedge also has a message, it's, you know, allegorically about human relations and gentrification, but it could also be, you know, specifically about um, over, uh, you know, legitimately about the movie subject uh, too much suburban uh, development being a threat to um, specifically deciduous American animal species. Yeah. But uh, instead of it being an eldritch abomination that implicates the viewer, it's just Allison Janney and Thomas Hayden Church being really funny. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I guess, you know, the immediate thing is, uh, you know, that's it's not as cool. I don't know if you have any more thoughts about that. <laughs> I do think it's, thematically, it makes the movie a little bit weaker because you don't fear either of them, you fear Vincent. Yeah. And... Don't get me wrong, I love every second both of them are on screen. They both turn in incredible yeah. performances, yeah. but they it are... It was only on this watch that I got the joke that his name is Dwayne LaFondant. 
like yeah. the ice. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but it's pretty amazing. Yeah. But they're both like genuine threats and treated as such, but they're never really objects of fear. Right. Bad things happen to them both throughout the entire movie. Nothing bad happens to Vincent until the end because nothing, everything is too scared to happen to Vincent. Right. And of course, you can't even like compare it for half feet you can't even comparatively say like nothing happened bad happens to humans because they, they, they it can't <laughs> they're beyond the, the touch yeah. of beyond of yes humans are beyond i will say and though i i love uh alice and janet can do no wrong to me and gladys is a really funny comic villain uh out of everything we watched probably like the most jarring like bad 2006 animation on her oh yeah like, it's really <laughs> bad um, her hair? Yeah, her hair. Just, like, wired. Yeah. Like, she looks like... She looks like um, Pixar blooper reels. Like, yeah. before they've, like, finished putting all the shading on the heels. Looks like the old, like, ventriloquist dummy version of Woody. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you're freaking me out now. Yeah. Hey, audience. You want, you want to not sleep tonight? Go rewatch the 1988 Pixar short, Tin Toy. Okay? Yes. <laughs> it's a baby. First time Pixar tried to make a human. Whew. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Absolutely not. Yeah. We were just, like, looking at the list of all the animated movies that were made in 2006, and it was then that we realized that, uh, uh, like, Flushed Away was 2006, which we both, like, yeah. love, but, like, it's hadn't, so like, good. but just, like, hadn't, let, and there's just, like, a, a shit ton. I think, um, yeah. the movie The Wild, the Madagascar ripoff, is also oh, from this year. yeah. Um, and, uh, then, of course, there's, uh, Barnyard, the movie that dares to, um, you know, ask the question, uh, well, all cows have udders, so of course the male main character has udders uh, and gets milked in a prominent action sequence. Um, and it's like, I'm wondering, like, I guess this was sort of... I didn't, I didn't like, do this intentionally when, like, thinking, when wanting to ask you if you'd make a podcast with me comparing Happy Feet to Over the Hedge. Mm. But, like, I guess this was sort of, this, like, was sort of, like, a peak. It was, like, ten years after Toy Story. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, like, just, like, everyone was realizing that you could just sort of, like, do the Pixar formula. It's an interesting thing because, like, um, of course, like, the best Pixar competitor ever uh, isn't about this at all. It has an anthropomorphic character. But there's a reason for that. He is a talking donkey. It's a trope. That's well, um, true. <laughs> it's yeah. They eschew anthropomorphization completely, but I think that's because they're not really. Their fight was never with Pixar. No. You know. Yeah. They were trying to fight Disney. Yeah. But then, Disney sort of slid so much of their animation into Pixar that they wound up fighting a different battle yeah. than they as a studio expected to, and also the Shrek franchise itself expected to. Yeah. DreamWorks definitely uh, did not successfully die the hero before becoming the villain, which you know, you know all about from starring in The Dark Knight. It's true. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, there was something else. Go for it. Some, this is just something that popped into my head. Something we haven't talked about, something, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but something that's super interesting about Over the Hedge is as far as I know, it's the only one of these to have been adapted from an existing IP. Mm. Because Over the Hedge is a newspaper comic strip. Yeah. And it's a relatively faithful adaptation in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's like, like the same humor. It's like using animals to be like, well, suburbia is silly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially that montage of RJ pointing out food things mm -hmm. is very Over the Hedge. And that moment from Over the Hedge was very Over the Hedge. Yeah, exactly. Over the Hedge. Yeah. You know what I mean. There is... I feel like that sort of marked the beginning of something. Mm. Because... The, like, dawn of the intellectual property hook movie. Like, the movie you go to see because it was an intellectual property. Was kind of... Not exactly there. No. I guess, but... Well, I would say the difference between, I think you're onto something. It's important to note that, um, you know, nobody went to Over the Hedge because they loved the newspaper strip. Oh, absolutely. Um, as opposed to you know, the Lego Batman movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, but sorry, go on. But I, I do think Over the Hedge is kind of a cloud on the horizon that one yeah. day we would have the Lego movie. Yeah, that's fair. Um, because yeah. in a lot of ways, animation is kind of the field today mm -hmm. where that doesn't 
automatically have to happen. Yeah. Sometimes it does, and usually you don't care, like the boss baby. But you still have right. a striking amount of just original content, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even when it's spies in disguise or whatever. Yeah. I am very conscious that, like, all these are just, you know, from this... I just, Well, you know, Cars is sort of, like, part of the Pixar continuity, and Happy Feet is really just something special because it's, you know, George Miller's an auteur. Yeah. Um, Over the Hedge is just, you know, a studio animated movie from, like, this previous era. And I think your earlier point about Lord and Miller uh, is important because I feel like there's sort of a, a splintering and... I'm not trying to get, like, too, uh, like, hoity-toity, like, socially commenting, mm. but, like, you look at, like, 2010's uh, animated movies, and they are, by and large, uh, the Lego movie, uh, which is, like, um, actually, no, it's not a good way of presenting it. You look at um, 2010's animated movies, and they're, by and large, minions, just, like, unfortunately corporatist, very safe humor, genuinely for six-year-olds yeah, um, to sell toys. Or the Lego movie, which of course sells a lot of toys, but like, in my opinion, like, brilliantly, like, cynically funny, like, very sharp, like, you know, like, zooms out to Will Ferrell, and you're like, oh, like, that's like, like, oi, like, society's ills. Um, yeah. Like, it's almost like, if you're gonna be good, you can't be, like, innocent anymore, which, like, over the hedge, like, is, like, it, you know, like, does, yeah. like, bits, like, the newspaper strip, but it's very much... Like, you know, Hammy's, like, I can burn my ABCs, which, like, made us laugh our asses off as kids. That's, like, XD Randall. That's, like, yeah. so 2000s. Incredibly so. Yeah. There is, yeah, maybe Over the Hedge is, like, yeah, it's an example of before that fracturing. Yeah. What, when do you think that happened? Was it, I sort of suspect up. Yeah. S s sure. Um... Maybe Cars 2 is part of it. Not to, you know, like, not, like, I, yeah. I'm with you that Cars 2 is funnier than people give it credit for. But, no, but you're like, also totally right yeah. that Cars 2 is a minions on this scale. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I guess that's sort of the, it, there's a third category, which is, like, very beautiful, like, animated movies, which are still happening, like, every now and then. Yeah. But, like, um, you know, there has always been, uh, the DreamWorks, uh, so, you know, Pixar or, you know, Miyazaki will make the beautiful ones. Yeah. And there's always been a DreamWorks making the commercial angle and, like, Over the Hedge was that, but, you know, sunnier. And, of course, so is Shrek. Um, I guess, yeah. like, if anything, like, Lego Batman is in, like, the lineage of Shrek. Um, yeah, that's true. Those do still exist to a certain extent. I feel like this is a Lord and Miller production, but from what I'm hearing about the Mitchell versus the Machines, that mm -hmm. sort of sounds like where it's trying to live, although yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Maybe there's... Maybe we're due for some new over-the-hedges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe... Now that there's a... Well, of course, this... 2006 was, you know, height of Bush, but... Yeah. You know, maybe thou, now that there's a Democrat in office, <laughs> we can get some over-the-hedges. <laughs> maybe... Yeah. There'll never be another Happy Feet, obviously. Yeah. Both because George Miller... I don't know if you've seen the interview where George Miller says that if you put a gun to his head and said, write Happy Feet 3, he'd say, shoot me. <laughs> but, but I do think, like, there is not a movie quite like Happy Feet. Yeah, and you know, as I've said, even though, like, I don't think I, like, uh, am a fan of it as you are, like, I am convinced of that. Yeah. Like, it sort of does a, like, almost, like, like, it's... It's a landmark movie in that, you know, it's it sort of, it's unforgettable. Nothing else is, like, does what it does. It's an original, like, idea. Yeah. And it's also, like, I think it's the only animated movie I can think of in this millennium to be both that good and completely devoid of, like, a studio house style. Mm. Like, you think of something like Coraline. Right. Or Kubo and the Two Strings. Very recognizably Laika. Yeah. Or, I don't know, Secret of Kells, Wolfwalkers. Very recognizably that amazing Irish hand-drawn firm that I can't remember <laughs> the name of. Sure. But, I feel like, yeah, the studio as auteur is obviously just a huge thing in animation and yeah. is working great in a lot of ways. Have you seen the triplets of Belleville? Oh, 
We want to talk about the triplets of Belleville. <laughs> I, I was just has nothing to do with anthropomorphization, just in terms of an indie animated movie that is yeah. like remarkably like there is truly nothing like the triplets of Belleville. Yeah, including other things that guy made. I think everything else he made is kind of worse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, that is a top ten movie for me. Absolutely. Sure. You know, um, our uh, our predecessor at uh, our old gig, Max Feldman. I think that's like his yeah. favorite movie ever. That's a very good take. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous, but it's also, I mean, it's distinct from what we're talking about in that it's not for children. No, yeah, no, it's a, it's a cartoon for adults, which yeah. is a thing, uh, there just aren't that, there aren't that many uh, popular ones, but they yeah. can be, other, I mean, like, on TV there aren't, obviously, yeah. but, you know, they can be fucking great. Although, triple, it's definitely, like, PG, like, yeah. I watched it first when I was maybe 10 mm-hmm. and had a great time, yeah. but it is... I don't know if the Triples of Belleville is for anyone, yeah. actually. I think it's just something that had mm-hmm. to be in the world. <laughs> so one thing we haven't talked about yet is soundtracks. Yes. And I think all of the movies we've been talking about do remarkably good jobs of curating mm-hmm. their soundtracks. I think best original score probably goes to Over the Hedge for a surprising quantity of, of new Ben, Fold new songs. ben Fold songs, all of which I quite like. Yeah. I think Best Needle Drop mm-hmm. probably, in my opinion, goes to Flushed Away oh, for yeah. when they set the chase scene halfway that goes to Bohemian Like You by the Dandy Warhols mm-hmm. is a moment very near and dear to my heart. That's a good time. But I also, um, Flushed Away is the only one that has a classic DreamWorks dance party ending, and it's, uh, Proud Mary, and that fucking goes. Yeah, that absolutely <laughs> goes. Over the Hedge faints at a DreamWorks dance party where Vincent dances over the credits to Rock in the Suburbs. Yeah. But oh. it's the only actual dance party ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Cars was probably, like, yeah, definitely, like, the weakest uh, Pixar movie music-wise to that point, but that's such a high bar that's still really great. Yeah. Like, Life is a Highway, Life like, that movie highway. owns that song. Like, I don't uh, God, it's yeah. so good. Because, like, for some reason, it's that's actually, like, maybe, like, the arguably, like, the most, like, experimental Cars gets is that, because, like, Life as a Highway plays and Mac drives and we just see, like, iconic American Vistas for, like, two and a half minutes. Yeah, it goes <laughs> for a while. It sort of takes a music video turn. Yeah. And that's not the only time that happens. Like, the Our Town sequence is also mm-hmm. kind of yeah. music video-y. Which, like, I guess, actually, no, it was a good... Who sings that? Because it was, like, a good choice for Randy Newman not to sing it. Yeah, who... I remember looking it up and being surprised, but I can't remember who it was. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Happy Feet, which is not the only movie in the world to have uh, its characters sing pop songs as part of the song, movie, but just so delightfully bizarre. And probably yeah. part of, like, the Lovecraftian nature. Like, it opens with... Uh, the first song is Kiss, right? Yes, the first song <laughs> is Kiss, and the second song is Heartbreak Hotel. They happen simultaneously. Yeah. Actually, wait... I just, this is a very small thing, Please. but something I want to nod to, just a, an amazing little detail in Happy Feet that mm-hmm. I think about often, is its use of the Abbey Road medley as a framing device. Oh, yeah. Where at the beginning you hear a cover of the first few minutes of Golden Slumbers, and barely audible, the last words in the film are just someone going, And in the end... Wow, I didn't know that. Thank you for sure. Yeah, it's really... We haven't really talked about opening sequences, which is... I think all three of these movies have absolutely killer opening they sequences. They do, yeah. Lightning McQueen in his trailer is great. You know, the Lightning McQueen in his trailer is great. In terms of cars having, like, the least... Like, the racing, like, not succeeding at being very interesting, the opening's the best race in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I do think, yeah, nodding to cars being identical to Over the Hedge in so many ways, RJ yeah. fighting the snack machine is great in the yeah. same way. Yeah, absolutely. Getting in his headspace is great. Yeah, but, but that's... A, RJ fighting the snack machine is, like, could... Like, that's, like, top-tier, like, Blake Snyder. Like, yeah, it's um, great. Like, um, totally know who this guy is and what the movie's about. Yeah. Yeah. But then Happy Feet starts in fucking space. <laughs> it starts in space, and you hear a, like, strange, slowed-down cover of Golden Slumbers and a nebula that looks like a penguin, and mm-hmm. then you zoom in, and there's a blasting kiss. That's what I'm sorry. It's incredible. And then, as I mentioned earlier, at the end, it's I Wish. I just, yeah. like, I Wish... All-time great so funk song. Absolutely. Why, why did they pick that? They used it twice. Because it's, yeah. it's also the song where Young Mumble dances before he finds out about the aliens from Boss Skua. Right. Oh, Boss Skua. 
Yeah, so both, I'm glad that you like brought up specifically soundtracks and opening sequences, because you reminded me of something I had wanted to say, which is like, so we've talked about how Over the Hedge and Cars both make, uh, you know, concessions to the studio model, and Cars in particular has a very unoriginal plot line. Nonetheless, watching these three movies over three days, they're also fucking bizarre. <laughs> yeah, this is so strange. Yeah, just like some of the choices that are made. Um... Just, and, you know, when you see, like, the car bugs, you know? Yeah, what, what is, is that? On? They're they're both very studio, yeah. but they're also both very passion project-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they're very... You feel love in both of yeah, them. Yeah, you do feel love. In I Cars... Know. I think that's what keeps Cars going for me, is... Yeah. It feels lovingly made. Yeah. Absolutely, and I'm conscious that, um, and I, like, this is definitely, like, a choice. Uh, I don't feel love during Happy Feet, which, like, maybe is, like, you no, know, it's definitely part of, like, why, like, I find, like, Cars, like, a safer watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, like, there's, there's love in Cars. It just happens to be, like, a love, a story that's been told many times before. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's a love of movie and of audience. Yeah. Like, it's trying to create a very shared experience. Whereas Happy Feet is an incredibly aloof watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a it's, lot of ways. it's Kubrick. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it's like, we're going to give you a fucking movie, okay? And you better like it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I really do think that that is the right choice. Yeah, because no, I mean, yeah. We are the god villain. Yeah, we are the god villain. Which is... <laughs> As we always have been. There's, that's, the, that's the other thing. Happy Feet has the most distinct kinds of anthropomorphic culture. Like, yeah. Little penguins and big penguins live totally different lives. Absolutely. Little little penguins are, are Hispanic. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, literally, they have a different economy. Yeah. They do vastly different things with their day-to-day lives, and their religion is completely different, and they make a point of that. Mm-hmm. Which is weird! Like... How many of these? How many of the movies we've described have two distinct religions? Two distinct yeah, religions within the anthropomorphized people. I mean, humans are God in Toy Story. Yeah. Like Andy is God. Andy is God. Uh, Andy is like, like Andy is God, and um, and Woody is Moses. So like, yeah, I would agree uh, with that. Um, but which like makes it less scary because they can like communicate. Yeah, um, but I think the difference is. Andy knows Woody is there. Yeah. Wow, that's scary. It's poor penguins. Seriously. Like, oh, that's, the, that's the thing. That's, that's why I like the happy ending. Because... Because right. it's, it, it, it's actually frightening yeah. like, after you leave the theater. Exactly. <laughs> like, we need... I think you do... Ending on that note would not be an okay thing to do. Kids. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Maybe it would have motivated them to write their congressman. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I feel like that's social change is impossible. The penguins are already <laughs> dead. Would be the message of that movie without that ending. I don't know. I mean, you've seen Fury Road. Maybe that is Miller's opinion. Uh, yeah, but Fury Road also has... Also has a happy ending. Ooh, exactly. interesting. Wow, what an optimistic guy. Yeah, George Miller <laughs> believes change is possible even though everything is awful. Yeah. It's... Ed, I'm just going to ask the question simply. What, what do you think is the best animated movie of 2006? My, yeah, my mind has not changed. I do think it's Happy Feet. And uh, I'm at a point where uh, I agree that Happy Feet is, 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 deserves that Oscar, but I don't... I don't I don't like that. I'm gonna go donate to a penguin charity. Um, Ed, thanks so much for coming. Um, so much. Forward Absolute pleasure. To uh, when we uh, get off the pod and continue to hang out in my house. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you have anything to plug? Um, I don't think so. All right. Many, Except- many don't. <laughs> uh, all I have to plug is uh, the, the triplets of Belleville. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely go watch the Prince of Bell. Shouts like, out to that French guy and his grandma. Yeah, it's like an hour and 15 minutes. So good. Yeah. So good. Love oh a movie God. that knows its length. Yeah. And that's one of the... Cars, 
one of my standard bits about Cars is it's too long. It doesn't deserve to be the longest Pixar movie, which it is. But when I was watching it, like I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm watching Cars. Like we're fine. Yeah, <laughs> it it kind of it justified its runtime better than I thought it was going to. Yeah. And then similar with Happy Feet, when I kind of forgot in the darkness, when I was when I got to the point forty five minutes in when the plot was resolved, I was like, why is there so much left? And I was like, oh, the universe. Yeah. All right. Well, this uh, this has been a, a special episode of What a Stupid Thing to Say, and now uh, as always, our uh, our closing song. Yeah. Disney made a movie in 87 That I saw on DVD in maybe 2011 This little film is criminally underseen I'll tell you what I mean You can see on the computer screen No one in the cast is a big star Some of the creative team went on to make Pixar Don't get me wrong though, the main cast is still strong They got Phil Hartman and the guy who sang the Grinch song it's not a source of studio glory, but it's self-evidently relevant as president for Toy Story. You got appliances that fight a scientist and try to find a missing family that abandoned them. You see as I'm describing this. It's the standard Placentian objects, deceptively dramatically complex. And for context, science is just a minor part of the story. But it lets Bill Hartman do a damn good Peter Lorre. Also two directed video sequels, and aesthetically they are not equal, but they're still worth watching because they took the old supporting cast and drastically improved it. Van Dyke Park's Billion Keys in the third little toaster. And We both saw these TV stars. Stephen Trevelasky, Eddie Daly, and Aretha Franklin. Also, Brian Doyle, Murray, Murray, Murray.